Today's guest is Elaine Carroll, an environmental civil engineer who figures out ways to make sure all the rain in Ireland ends up as clean, manageable water. We talk about how she came to find her profession, the ways her work leads to creativity and community, and her involvement with No Drama Theatre, an inclusive and supportive company, as well as the need to spend time in your head balanced with the need to spend time in your body. Well, I'm here with Elaine Carroll, who is uh, going to tell us about the intersection of work, community, and creativity. And I met you, Elaine, through the creativity piece, No Drama Theater. So you can start with any of those three and just uh, talk a little bit about what you do. Um, well, I suppose just to give you a background about uh, who I am and where I'm from and what I do on a day-to-day basis, uh-huh. uh, my name is Elaine Carroll. I'm from Cork, which is uh, the very south of Ireland. I'm an engineer by day, um, but by night I like to get my creative kicks by being the treasurer of No Drama, which is a really nice amateur dramatic society in Dublin City Centre. They're my main things that keep me busy. What kind of engineer are you? I am a civil engineer. That was my degree was civil and environmental engineering. Um, I did traffic and highways engineering for about nine years, but recently. I got a government job with a local authority as a water and drainage engineer. So learning lots of new things, but learn something new. Oh, water and drainage in Dublin. Water. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's best not to tell people you do anything with water when you work in Ireland. But uh, no, no, it's it's good. It is a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How long have you been doing that? Uh, water and drainage I've only been doing for a year or just over a year so maybe a year and a half now uh-huh. um, I I work specifically in drainage planning so that's when let's say different applicants apply for planning permission for a site and we look specifically at how they're going to deal with surface water drainage and uh, sometimes we'll look at foul and water but that's more Irish water's job now so I don't really do that much anymore we just advise them a bit uh-huh um, but yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's very different to the work I would have done before. But I like the fact that I'm kind of learning something new, even at this stage of my career. It's nice to still be learning new things. Yeah. And now when you talk about drainage, are you talking about like, does it go into the sea, into the aquifer, like the the groundwater or what what, what kinds of things happen? All of the above. Um, <laughs> so the, the water that I deal with is, yeah, so it's the water, surface water is the water that falls out of the sky and like runs off the roofs and the land and things. And then um, our our main aim is to kind of maintain how water would naturally flow if the site was still a green field. So that's kind of our main I- interest is that the water is as clean and let's say runs off the same speed that it would have previously, because that has lots of implications for the surface water network that's already there. And it also has implications on flooding and water quality and things like that. So it's that whole area, really, just to kind of make sure that water is working as naturally as it would have now beforehand. That, that's a really good question in Dublin, which has been built now for, you know, a millennia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been around a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is that something that you have to do? So where someone's taking away like a house that 
or two houses that burned down, putting up a hotel, is that, I guess I've got a question about how do you know what water would have behaved like if it's already city, it's just more city, city. <laughs> yeah, so you do get that from some applicants. I'd say now in Dublin city centre, that might be an issue where um, I suppose an applicant might say they're not changing how the water behaves now. Mm. But you still have to bear in mind that any little bit that you can do to kind of take water out of the surface water network or slow it down from getting to the river will help with any flooding issues so we still try and get people to reduce the runoff even if it's even if they're matching what's there now what you really want is a betterment as well so you don't want to just leave the status quo just because well that's how it is you you should be trying to improve things and even just for water quality reasons it's better to try and slow the water down, keep it on the site for longer so that, let's say, sediments and things like that can come and hydrocarbons and stuff can come out of the water and then the water is cleaner. That's actually going into the, the system for treatment maybe in future. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And when I went to the castle, which is in the center, one of the things they pointed out is that the river Poddle is completely like encapsulated under the city. Is, does that happen where there's just accidental rivers that have been sort of put away under things? It does happen sometimes. It's something we don't um, do now. That's a policy that would be a different councils of different policies regarding um, open water. So in the council that I work in, generally, as a rule, you don't cover over open water so if, if there's a river there or a water course and things that you generally keep it open you might allow people to culvert it so that's when ah. you put kind of like a, a bit of a structure over it yeah um, you might let's say let them do small sections of culverting if they need to just put a little access road over or something like that but generally speaking you want to keep the water open because again that's how it is naturally yeah. Is, um, do sometimes know, things are allowed to be diverted and things, but it, generally speaking, you want you want to keep water as it is. Do you know if that is the only hidden river underneath Dublin City, or are there more? I actually, well, there's some there's some sections of river that have been culverted. Not let's say I, I'm not sure about the ones in the city centre, but if you know um, the Dundrum Town Centre, okay, yeah. Underneath, underneath that shopping centre, there's a whole section of um, the river slang that actually goes under. So that was all culverted and is underneath that shopping centre. Interesting. And how did you get into this work? How did I get into water and drainage or engineering in general? Uh, yes, but you can answer either of those questions. But yeah, how did you how did you get interested in this? So engineering in general, it was kind of a funny one because... Most people, certainly when I went to university, most people who were engineers or were studying engineering, they did it because they knew someone who was an engineer. So they did it because either their dad or their uncle or aunt or like someone they knew in their in their life was an engineer. I became an engineer because my guidance counselling teacher said, you're good at maths. (laughs) Have you ever thought of doing engineering? And I went. Okay, that that sounds fun. <laughs> and then people said, "Ask me what what type of engineer do you want to be?" And I was like, "Oh, oh there's types. <laughs> yeah, I have to pick a type." <laughs> and I was like, "Right, right. okay. Um, I should probably look into this a bit more." So then, um, <laughs> l- luckily, there's uh, their universities were getting quite good at getting girls into like sciences and engineering. So they had this girls into science and engineering weekend in UCC. Okay. which is at University College Cork. And that's the university I actually ended up going to in the end. 
um, and they took you around to um, the different buildings and you spoke to different people who were either lecturers or students in the various courses that you could do. And I ended up choosing civil engineering or civil environmental engineering just because I, I thought it sounded like the most kind of the most fun almost that you know you worked in teams and you work with people instead of like bouncing ideas off people and I just really like that idea of collaboratively working oh, with cool. people as part of my job I don't really want to be just by myself at my desk doing things by myself I wanted to it to be that kind of interactive and iterative and you know yet you are actually thinking about what maybe you could change or what is the best solution so really that's and like once I got into engineering then I realized yeah this this is what I should be doing. This is how my brain works. And this really matches my brain. But it never, unless somebody had told me, like my guiding sound teacher, to try it out, it wouldn't have dawned me. I don't know what else I would have done, really, <laughs> now that I look back on it. Did the program work? Were, were there a bunch of girls that went in when you did? Or were you, uh, you know, in the minority? Um, in my the year I actually did engineering. So there was about I think there were 65 people in my year when I started in UCC in civil and environmental specifically. And there was 15 of those were girls. And oh. I know that doesn't sound like a lot but for engineering. That's really good. That was like the high, I think that was the highest percentage they would have had of girls. So that particular year it did very well. But then the following year it went down. I think there was only maybe five people in the following year or something. But um, particularly civil engineering tends to have well. Electrical engineering has the least amount of girls. I think there was one girl in their year when they started, but then that's a smaller course. So, um, yeah, look, I think yeah, I think it goes like electric and then civil. And I think, think process then tends to have quite a few female um, students. But I, I, you, don't, you don't notice it so much because I suppose you all kind of like pal around together and club together. So you feel like, you know, loads of girls because yeah. you're, all, you're all friends with each other. <laughs> yeah, that is very cool. Uh, what's your favorite part of the job? I mean, you talked about the collaboration. Is that that's why you went in? Is that still, you know, is that your favorite part of the job? What's your favorite part? Yes, I I love I love bouncing ideas off people, and I love uh, like obviously engineering is just one big problem solving thing. Somebody comes to you with a problem, and like it's not it's even outside of my job. I tend to be the problem solver. Like if the if the TV breaks at home, my dad <laughs> rings me. And somehow I have to fix the TV over the phone. You know, it's just I would just be the problem solver in in my circle. Um, so I I love that. But I love that something comes in and you get to like kind of drill down into well what is going on here and what is the actual issue and what are we trying to solve? Because sometimes people just they kind of see something they're familiar with and do a familiar answer. Whereas I kind of like to go, no, but what's really, what's really going on? What's actually the problem though? And what are we really trying to fix? Oh, and we focusing on this thing or should we be focusing on this? Um, particularly with water and drainage, since I'm kind of almost starting again with it, I yeah. get to ask all the stupid questions. Because <laughs> you know, there's some stuff that people just take for granted that, oh, well, we've just always done that. It's like, yeah, but but like, why have you always done that? And like, can you explain to me why that's happening? And then sometimes we're getting to a different solution because we're like, you know what? That's actually not the thing to focus on. We should probably be focusing on this thing. But it's because, because you like, there really are no stupid questions. Like, ask the stupid right. question and, you know, you can answer simply great, but maybe you'll get to the crux of the problem that people might have just taken for granted because they've been doing it so long. Right, right, right. I'm still learning something new and still trying to figure out stuff and trying to get to the best answer. I'm not, it's not just, you know, taking things as they are. It's like, well, could, could we do better? And how could we do better? And 
yeah. what ways could we do that? And, kind of bypassing yeah. the inertia that grows. Yeah, exactly. Because so I know some people feel, particularly in that I'm in a, a local government job now, some people consider that, oh, like retiring, you know, you're not really huh. being innovative anymore. Yeah. Whereas my um would be is that you you're you should be pushing the innovation so from our point of because the consultants who do things they do stuff because they have to because it's required to you know make it get something through planning or to get something done right so we can ask for the next thing that needs to be done so it's because we ask for something that they do it so we should really be trying to see what we should be asking for and pushing for something better so let's say now with the council that i'm in we have um, a green roof policy Okay, and that and lots of other councils they like they ask for green roofs, but it's not they don't have a document on it. Whereas we have a document on it, which means Explain that what people. That means. Yeah. Oh yes, I know this. This this happens a lot as well. I think <laughs> people know what I'm talking about, and they really don't. <laughs> but okay, so green roof is basically roofs that have kind of like sedum or sort of grass turf on them. And the advantage of them is that they slow down the water that hits through. So obviously if, if water just hit a normal flat roof, it would just float straight off down the gully out into the sewer. And, not, you know, and there's a lot of dirt that accumulates on roofs as well. Like there's dust and obviously bird species oh, right. and things like that. So yeah. that get quite dirty. So it should, it really should get some kind of treatment and it just gets slowed down. So it's not just all going down to the ground straight away. Uh-huh. So a green roof then is kind of just like a layer of turf sometimes. Uh, depending on the thickness, you'll get different um, rates of the water being slowed down. So that slows the water down from getting to the gully too quickly, which helps for flooding reasons. Uh-huh. Um, it also captures a lot of the dirt. So when you, when the water filters through grass, a lot of, let's say, kind of the dirt and things like that stay on the grass and then they can kind of get treated by the air and the sun oh. and things like that to get things like the dirt out of it. So the water comes through cleaner as well. OK. Um, and it also, um, somebody told me as well, it helps for, let's say, heat absorption. You know, so obviously a lot of buildings are oh. kind of trapping heat. It kind of helps heat or reduce. So it, it helps for, let's say, ventilation or heat control reasons for buildings as well. So it's a lot of, lot of good advantages. Anyway, go on and say what you were going to say about the permitting, but I just wanted to clarify the green roof. Oh, yes. But um, basically that if if we didn't specifically have a policy for that, maybe a lot of consultants might say, oh, no, it's too expensive. We can't do this. We can't do that. But because we have a policy, it's like, well, you've no excuse, guys. You've got to make it work. You've got to figure something out. And I know some people. So some in some instances you can't. Well, not that you can't, but for architectural reasons, maybe you want to do a slightly different type of building so your roof wouldn't be appropriate for it. And then we're like, okay, but as long as you can treat the water in another way. And it's just to try and get people to realise that it's not just about, we just want a green roof. It's like, no, we want you to like, you know, treat the water and clean the water and slow down the water and kind of get them to realise the other benefits of that. Or if you keep on pushing those things, eventually everyone will realise, yeah, no, like flooding seems to be reducing and water quality is and things like that. So. Oh, that's really interesting. Do you find that the job gives you opportunities to be creative or do you get that elsewhere? Or a mixture? I have this argument sometimes with my colleagues. So some of them feel like it's not creative. But I think, again, um, so a lot of the people I would work with, they've, they've been in the job a long time. You know, maybe they're just a bit jaded by it, I suppose. Uh-huh. But I... Like I said, I still think it can be because you're trying to find different solutions and that's creative thinking. You're trying to think outside the box. And I I think that's a type of creativity. You know, creativity is not always um, 
like sitting down with a pen and paper and drawing a picture. Do you know what I mean? I think that's yeah. what people think that it must be must always be something like that. Whereas like no, it's it's how you think about things and how you view things and <laughs> figure stuff out. So I, I think it has lots of opportunity to be creative. But I do I do like other I suppose it's very kind of an in your head type thing, engineering. Uh-huh. So I like to do things that are out of my head, which is where the drama comes in. And that's how I kind of get that stuff. So I get to do something more physically and get out of my head and kind of do something maybe that I wouldn't do on a day to day basis if it wasn't for it. Well, that's a perfect segue. So, yeah. So no drama theater. How did you get involved? Okay, so that happened when um, when I so when I was younger, um, I was always really really into um, speech and drama and theatre and improv and things like that. I did a lot of it when I was in, particularly in primary school, and I kept it up a bit in secondary school as well. But then when I went to university, it was just kind of hard to balance the two. It's uh, like engineering's a very um, intensive course, so there's a lot of hours in lectures but then there's also a lot of hours outside of lectures studying and doing labs and things like that so it kind of didn't leave me a lot of time uh-huh. and then I started work and you know you get wrapped up in work and then I was like I kind of just stopped one day and went okay no this this can't go on I can't keep on just working yeah um, and then people were like, oh why don't you do this thing like why don't you do yoga or like <laughs> start playing a sport and it was like yeah, no, they all sound okay. I'll not go to the gym. That was what people kept saying. Oh, maybe you start going to the gym. And I said, I do not want to start going to the gym. That just sounds like the most soul-destroying place. I, don't, I know some people love the gym and yeah. they find it a social outlet, but anytime I ever went, I was just like, nobody talks to anyone. And it's just, I don't know, it wasn't what I wanted. I wanted something that was more interactive and got me out of my head, whereas yeah. you're still kind of in the gym because you're just kind of running or whatever, but you're not like... You're not interacting. I wanted I wanted to interact more. So um, I kind of went, you know what I used to love? I used to love drama. So then mm. I was like, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look up some um, theatre groups. So I, I kind of looked up a few things and I f- came across No Drama and I just went through their website and I kind of read there. They have, let's say, um, like a mission statement and things like that. And I just really liked the ethos of it because like, there's some groups where you have to audition to get into them. Uh, so right. they kind of they have that that level of exclusivity already. They tend to do the same kind of shows the way they're always like these big ensemble pieces. They're shows that you see quite a lot, or maybe there's a lot of ones that are musical and dancing ones that I'm I'm not I cannot sing and I cannot dance. So <laughs> I will put that out right. Um, but I, do love, <laughs> I just I said I'll be honest with everyone. I cannot sing. And I cannot a dance. single threat. So, you're not um, the triple threat. Yeah. You're the single threat. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much very very small threat um but and i liked and i liked that they didn't put on the same shows all, so i can the more I read about them they were more they were very much yeah the workshops are all dropping you can drop in and out whenever you like they had all these extra little things like monologue nights and they seemed to promote people doing their own pieces it wasn't just you know as i said it wasn't the same stuff all the time you know those same kind of shows that get put on and you see them done by lots of companies around the country you never get to see something new they seem to pick plays that aren't put on very often uh-huh. um, that were a bit different um they encouraged original writing um they have let's say little nights so it's not just that they two productions a year so if you don't get in the production well that you you've nothing to do for the year they have these little things called shindigs where people put on original pieces and you get to have a little go on that as well and they just seem to be a very kind of inclusive and supportive group. And it just really, I really liked the idea of it. So um, so I went along 
mm. and really enjoyed it and just kind of kept on going basically and how long yeah. have you been part of it um i sup- i'm trying to think now when exactly i joined it'll definitely be i think it's about two years now yeah okay. i think it's about two years yeah yeah and then um do you do you do the two shows with them is that do you do the do you do all the shows that they do or do you just pick and choose what do you do I try and get involved as much as I can. So even if I don't get in a show, I like to do something in the background. So let's say the um, the very first show I was in, I, I was an actor in it. So that's how I was involved in that one. But I also helped a little bit backstage. And then for the next show, um, I auditioned, but I didn't get a part. But I was like, look, I really like this play. I think it's really interesting. Can I be involved? So I got involved with helping make some of the props. Uh-huh. Um, I ended up being the prop actor as well. So collecting up all the different props they needed. And then I helped out during the week, um, like assisting the stage manager as well, just so I could get a kind of a feel for lots of the different jobs. Um, and for the next production that's coming up, I'm going to, well, I've been asked to be, and I said yes, but we'll, we'll um, so hopefully I'll get to be the stage manager for that. So that'll be, ah. I'll have to run everything backstage. So it is good. It is good for getting different experience. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you interested in directing? Um, n- Not yet. Maybe in the future. I'd like to, because they're very good as well. They kind of do things quite structured. So you don't just get to be a director straight off the bat. They like you to kind of work up to it. So hopefully I would maybe do something small, let's say for a shindig piece and then work up from that, maybe to be an assistant director for a main production and then eventually be a director for a production. Okay. Um, but no, I'd like, to, I'd like to give it a go on the more on the, the smaller level first on a shindig level, just to see how I take it. Because some people, it, it just doesn't suit them. Mm. So maybe it might not suit me. Hopefully it would, but <laughs> that'd be way But it's a good way to try things out because they'll, they'll say there's some people who, um, they might write and act in and direct their piece. And then afterwards they kind of go, do you know what? Like, maybe I should like give this over to somebody else, the, the directing, because I don't think it's me. I think I'm better at the writing or I'm better at the acting. And, you know, it kind of, you help kind of figure out what you are good at as well through the different opportunities. Yeah, the flexibility of that is very interesting. Just out of curiosity, so in this, in the area where I um, lived in the U.S., live in the U.S., a lot of the community theater really, there are adults, but then there's usually a ton of kids. Is that true in Dublin? Are there, you know, do kids all want to be part of this too, or is it more of an adult thing? The no drama is um over eighteens. Okay. Um and so so that's kind of well maybe specifically this group, but there's a few groups who that are like that in the city centre from what I gather that they are just over eighteen groups. Mm. I think I'm I'm not quite sure why that is. It might just have been just the policy. Um but I know that lots of other groups around the country tend to have more junior people in them. So uh-huh. let's say from where I am down home in Cork. They, yeah, there'd be a lot more of a mix of there being teenagers and adults and things like that because it's more like family theatre. Right, right, yeah. So that's Yeah. And oh. I think even some parts of Dublin, more in the suburbs, there might be more that have a broader age range. Um, but I think kind of No Dram was sort of like filling that gap of people who were sort of in between, that they weren't, they weren't kind of kids and they weren't, let's say, like, um, you know, I thought that, yeah, just that just that kind of middle group who kind of just live in the city or near the city and kind of wanted a drama outlet. Yeah, like recreational, recreational drama kind of. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a, very, there's a good social aspect particularly to the, the no drama one. Yeah. It is, it's very, everyone's good to kind of meet up afterwards and have chats or um, 
go to theatre together and things like that. You know, it's kind of like a common interest group as well yeah. as just being. Uh, how how old is No Drama? Do you know? It is having its ten year anniversary this year. Actually, wow, that's awesome! Happy birthday! So, so yeah, happy birthday, No Drama. Are the people that started it still involved? They are in not as heavily involved because you know kind of people's lives change you know mm-hmm. um you have kids work commitments and stuff like that but the um summer production that's just gone uh she kills monsters one of the more original members uh dave mcgowan was actually the director of that piece oh, okay. so he came back to do that they do they do get involved and they support different things they'll come back and they'll do because some of the people have gone on to become professional actors or They've set up improv training groups and things. So they'll come back and they'll do workshops with us. So they still come and drop in, but they they kind of let they progress to the next level almost with being, as I said, with being professional in in the field. So but it is good, yeah. So they're still around. Uh-huh. Um but that's what's going as well, that it keeps on eternal turning over as well. It's not reliant that they had to stay. You know, people took the torch and they kept things going. There's been, you know, there's a, a new chairperson every well two years generally so that keeps it fresh as well and things well i don't know if it's the name or what but that's it feels rather unusual for a an arts organization to have graceful movement particularly of founders in and out of the group (laughs) you know in fact there's often a lot of drama so (laughs) no drama What's the biggest challenge, do you think, with the organization? I suppose all drama groups eventually uh, come to points where let's say the ebbs and flows um, happens quite frequently with different groups. Um, particularly now in Dublin, there seems to be a lot of amateur theatre groups. So it's kind of diluting, let's say, the pool of people who want to join in. Mm. So it's maybe keeping membership up sometimes. Um but then again, that can just be, you know, like let's say last summer, we had a particularly good summer. So people just wanted to be out in a park instead of in a school, right. uh, mucking around doing a <laughs> workshop. So sometimes when we go down for those kind of things, um, that would be one challenge, I suppose. And then another challenge I imagine a lot of groups come up against is I suppose have you know the volunteers having enough time, depending on people's like work schedules and like that work life balance. It might already be hard enough to, you know, be in all the places that you need to be already, and then having this commitment as well. So maybe getting people to be committed to do the day to day running of the the group can be quite challenging as well because it is it's very time consuming. It is like a whole job onto itself. You have a lot of organisation to do and a lot of people to deal with and things like that. So that can be challenging. Um, How many members are there? The that is where it's a bit fluid because since we don't we don't stop anyone being a member. Okay, if you if you get me, so you can you can be a member for a month and then not come again for another year, or you could be a member every single month for the whole year. You might just come to a workshop once every month. You know, it's so we don't we don't have let's say a set member list i mean you can go on we have so there's no drama theater is the main page we also have no drama after dark which tends to be the page that put people who are kind of a bit more committed to the group join and that has i think does it have around 200 members on it but oh, that's obviously those people don't come every week. um but obviously those people don't come every week or they might be people who used to come all the time but just kind of pop in and out now so it's 
it has it has a good member base every week with the workshops and then it has a wider member group with various other things. So putting a number on it is hard right. because of that, because we're so fluid. Right. What's your favorite part about no drama? Oh, the people. Yes. Definitely the people. <laughs> I mean it you wouldn't you wouldn't do something every week voluntarily unless you <laughs> didn't like the people you hung out doing with. You know, I just like when I went, everyone's very Everyone is just so friendly because you. Um, I know, let's say when I was, so when I was in university, I did try and do a little bit of drama, but I found it very clicky uh-huh. and it was just really hard to get in. Once you knew everybody already in there, it was hard, so hard to get in, but it just, this didn't feel that way. When you went, like everyone wanted to chat to everyone. Everyone wanted to get to know you and they were really encouraging to get you involved in things. Um because even if they didn't, like, you you might not be particularly good, but it's like, oh, but like, if you want to do it, go for it. So they, like, would encourage you to do monologues at the monologue night if you want to have a go at things. And, yep, go to auditions, why not, you know, and just, it was very much straight away, yep, if you want to do it, go for it. And that's just, they're very, very supportive and very inclusive. And it's it's a nice place to be. And is that really built into, like, the values and, and the culture of it? Or is that just sort of any given group at a time? How do you mean? Is it depend? Like, does well, it depend on the week or? Well, yeah. Does it right depend on the workshop? How how you know the the groups you were saying that's sort of fluid. They they kind of come together and and then a different group may be together the next time or whatever. But does it seem to be like the the organization itself just has these values and therefore they sort of that sort of do, you know becomes the dominant way to behave, or is it something you almost have to assert sometimes with like no, that's really not how we do things here. Um, I think once you come in to, particularly when you come into a workshop, generally the person who's facilitating the workshop and there'll be someone on the door kind of, you know, taking people's names and things, they tend to be very, and there's a welcomer at the door as well. So, and all those people that you meet, they really kind of push the values of this is really inclusive. You know, if you're new, it's like, great, you're new, come and have a chat with us. They'll they kind of explain who some of the like the main people are like, oh, this will be your facilitator this week and they'll kind of get you chatting to some of the more frequent members, let's say. And it knows it always has that feeling that when you go in, that it's like, yeah, no, this is nice and safe. Everyone's friendly. Like, don't don't worry about it. Just because you're new doesn't mean you're on the outskirts. Come in, have a chat, get involved. It's And it's very much how the workshops are run as well. There's no, like, there's no wrong thing in the workshops either. All the things we do are very much if you've done drama loads of times you can do it if you've only done it a couple of times that's okay if even if you've never done it before we kind of try and bring everyone along together and make everyone feel like they're involved and part of it and we're also very good to uh, bring everyone to the pub then afterwards as well and have a chat <laughs> and get to know a bit more and get to figure out kind of what they want from the group because some people maybe they come along not really sure what they want but then you can kind of have a chat and you can explain to them what else we do and it's just I think it's really just drilled into the members who've been there a long time and then uh, the more often you come you start to like feel that as well and you want it to be inclusive and you want to chat to the new people and yeah it just yeah it, it's almost embedded in the ethos and so i think it's in the mission statement as well that it's an inclusive you know we are we are inclusive you know new members are always welcome and things like that so it's i think particularly with it not being that you have to audition to get into the group right. really makes it feel like people can just come and try it out you know they don't they're not worried that they're kind of that they maybe have to commit too soon or anything and 
they're not sure what it's about. You're just like, yeah, you can just come and test the waters for a while and get to know everyone and then see see how involved you want to be, which is quite good. Well, that's huge. And I have to say the um, the introduction piece is really huge because I've, I've attended things before and there was either nobody introduced anybody or it was just the people that seem to be regulars threw themselves in and you're like, I guess that's what we're doing now. And it's, and then, but you do definitely get that sense of like, okay, this is clearly I'm not in this group. I didn't know what we were supposed to be doing or didn't know anybody's name and nobody bothered saying it. So that's really interesting that it's sort of built in like the, you know, when you get there, it sort of starts and then you sort of roll through that of like people reminding you that you're new. It's fine enjoy yourself welcome kind of a thing that's 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 big that's very neat so community is built into the into the theater group because as you're saying it's very welcoming it's very it's not really exclusive is that where you really find your community or do you find that in work too does work kind of branch out to the larger community or yeah i suppose since yeah both both of them tend to involve um, getting out about with people, um, particularly since now my job is a local government job. So local government jobs, they are for the community. My job is to do things for the community. I'm a civil servant. That's that's my role. Um, so I can have the public ring me and ask me things um, regarding the, any issues that well more planning related. So they, there's a certain process, but it is it does involve talking to members of the public and trying to do things for the greater good and for local policy and development plans and things like that which is all community you know thinking doing yeah. things for the large community so yeah no bo- both cover it really um mm-hmm. which is quite nice because i do i do like that i like that my job is beneficial to people you know yeah. like i'm trying to do something for people and then being part of the drama group i just think drama is really beneficial in general for everyone you know it's just it's a really nice social thing for people to do it's um it gets people out of their shell um it helps people meet new people sometimes i get we get that a lot with no drama as well there's a lot of people who might just have just moved to dublin so they kind of use it as a way of making friends and getting to know the area and things like that so yeah no both of them i think really helped me to get involved in the community which is really really nice yeah nice all right uh what kind of things would you tell your younger self what kind of things would I tell yeah, my younger self? Yeah, if you could talk to your younger self about like where you are now and and the stuff you're interested in, stuff like that. What what would be a what, what advice would you give them, or what would you tell them? Oh, I would have said to get involved in drama sooner, not to have <laughs> left it so long, because it is it's really it is really really fun, um, and it's such and like the people I've met are just so nice, and I kind of I just wish I'd known them longer. That that's my only regret is. <laughs> Because they're so much fun and they're so nice and they're so um, because there's such a diverse range of people as well. You know, we obviously have this common thing of that we we all like um, theatre and things like that. But everyone's jobs are so different and backgrounds are so different. They're from different countries and they like their their jobs would be very very different to my job. What they do on a day to day basis um, and different pressures and stresses and things like that. But then we all come together and have this one common laugh <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's great. And do you write? Do you write as well? I haven't written recently or anything like that. Let's say when I would have been younger, I would have done a little bit. So again, that's something that I might try and explore because the group, we do have um, a writer's group that's actually after restarting again this year to kind of encourage people who have an interest in writing to get together and kind of maybe learn each other's styles and things like that and 
kind of almost just give them a forum to do it because sometimes um you're kind of just sitting alone writing at home you're like oh this isn't good enough but if you have to kind of bring it to a group every week you can get some feedback and actually push it on and go like you know this is pretty good this might there might be something here and yeah no it's it's really good the writers group is very good and there's a readers group as well for different plays to um pick the ones that we're going to do for the next productions ah. um and then yeah there's again, as i said there's the monologue nights if people want to like try just acting a little bit but maybe don't want to be in a play and then people yeah just yeah lots of opportunities to try writing and directing and acting and things and all the background stuff as well actually a lot of people who learn um they learn different background skills such as sound and lighting and things like that as well right. which is quite interesting right yeah. and and how do they do that do they are are there essentially t- like uh you know long time members that mentor pretty much yeah that's how like it generally starts off with um there'll be someone who kind of knows their stuff will do the shindig and they might have somebody beside them shadowing them and then they just kind of let them do or they might even show them how if it's not a particularly complicated piece you might just show someone and let them do it mm. um and, but a lot of time they'll yeah they'll have somebody just shadow them and then the next time there's like a small thing on they might do it themselves and then the next time there's a big production they might be on let's say if there's a few people who are needed for the week because um not everyone can do it every night then you kind of get opportunities that way. So you kind of get to build up skills that way as well, which is really cool. And and where do you perform? You don't does the group have its own theatre or have a host theatre or anything? Um, there's a few theatres that we kind of use more often than others, but uh, the last few productions have been in um, Smock Alley. We've done uh, a few productions there in the main space there as well. Uh-huh. Um, our next production will actually be in the boys' school there, which is a lovely space too. We do some of the shindig in the peer centre quite a bit and we've done we did one actually in the Project Dark Centre which was quite nice because that was just a nice different venue to do and then the Teachers Club as well we've done uh, productions there a few times I think they've used another couple of venues but they're the main ones that I've I've certainly been a part of productions of. Is it easy? Is it hard? Is it challenging or anything to get audiences in? Like we've talked a lot about like how welcoming it is to get participants in but how about how about audiences and getting the work to just people to watch? In fairness, now they're very good at promotion. They're quite like they do really good like posters and flyering. They're very good for getting out to let's say groups who might be interested. Let's say now just taking um, She Kills Monsters as an example. That's um, a play that's about Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. So they got so they did a really good few like nice promotional things. So we had a couple of games nights where people let's say maybe learned how to play Dungeons and Dragons. That was really good fun. <laughs> Um, we had a table quiz that was kind of like the nerd quiz. So like, and there was obviously a few um, related questions to that. They got, I think, Gamers World were ah. um, like the was up in like kind of the, uh, those kind of places. And then they did a live Dungeons and Dragons um, oh game as well. <laughs> so that was really cool. So they, they did loads of really cool promotional things like that which is really fun. So, no, they're very good for getting the word out there. So it's not just, let's say, people's families and friends coming all the time. You do yeah. get people <laughs> who actually are like, oh, this just sounds like a really cool play. I'd like to go see it. So I like that we've gotten very good attendance for a lot of the performances we've done as well, which is really encouraging because, you know, as I said, there's only so many times your friends and family will come. But when you get actually people kind of who just hear the production and they like think, oh, that sounds cool. I'd like to go. That's really rewarding. Well, yeah, and it really speaks to that um, a very interesting to that thing you were saying before about how you don't just do the same things over and over. You do new works. You know, some things are tried and true because everyone goes, oh, that, I always go to that. Or, oh, 
oh, it's you know that same play again, and I'm familiar. So it's really interesting to be able to have good audience response to things that they're that they've never heard of before. Exactly, because you do. I suppose some like you could you could get like pack out a theatre, be put on, you know, a nice Irishy play that everyone's heard of and stuff like that. Um, but we were like, you know what? There's lots of people doing that, and they're doing it great. Yeah, and like like you know, let them keep on doing that, but what we wanted to do was just no come on let's let's try something that's not maybe seen as often so people get to see more different things and more diverse theater and stuff like that yeah yeah that's very cool um and then do you participate or do you guys throw any festivals are there theater festivals that no dramas involved in um we have just the summer just gone we went to um all together now it was a new um well, it's all, it wasn't just a music festival. It was sort of like, a, an, you know, an everything festival. There was <laughs> art and theatre and comedy and things like that. So we um, put on a small piece for kind of like a family entertainment section on the Sunday in the middle of the day. So it was just a nice little call. I think it was what was it called Grand Day for Drawing. <laughs> and that was really fun. That was, that was like an original piece as well. Um, there was two of the people from the group. Um, Kate just wrote wrote it all and there was um, somebody else directed it then and there was like slight bit of kind of improv to it as well because you kind of had to read off the audience and stuff how they were reacting to what you're saying and it was a really it was a really nice kind of fun family friendly piece that they did for that so we're hoping to maybe do that more often um, like purposefully put a piece together that could be taken to different festivals and then applying to different festivals with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this one, we kind of, they they had previously a few years back done something at Electric Picnic and it was before my time um, and that had gone quite well. So we were thinking, you know what, that went quite well that time, this went well this time, maybe we should, you know, make it something else to do for the summer because we tend to take a break during the summer, but then some people want to still be involved in something. So right. it's kind of a nice thing to do for the summer as well. Right. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, that's really fun. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? This is, it's just, what I really like about this is just you meet people on one side and then it just becomes like, but yeah, how about how do you do everything else? Like I met you through the theater group, but then you're like, and I'm an engineer. And I was like, that's interesting that you've got like, you know, the two things going on. So yeah. Yeah. And I suppose they wouldn't they wouldn't seem to be connected, but um I said it kind of it, it feels two different things. You know, the engineering does all the stuff inside my head, the drama does the stuff outside of my yeah. head. <laughs> so it's really, really good. But do, um Do you teach workshops too yourself? I haven't taught any workshops, no. Um I that's my the role that I have at the moment on the committee is the treasurer, so I just deal with the spreadsheets. <laughs> well, that said though, it is terrifically important to have people to do that like um i've worked with a lot of arts organizations over the years and it it got to a point where volunteers were like well i can video or photograph and it was like no i know we have a thousand of those but can you do a spreadsheet because we really need someone willing to do the finances (laughs) oh no i've definitely found my in there uh, with with the spreadsheets, you know, they're more than happy to give me all the stuff, and I'm more than happy to do it. And I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm very comfortable with all this. Don't you worry, <laughs> I will, I will do everything. It'll be fine. Oh, Not that it's particularly complicated. The voluntary group, it, it tends to be kind of a little, you know, it's a little easier. But um, yeah, just to have somebody who's happy enough to keep on top of everything. <laughs> and do you guys have to? Let me ask you this about voluntary groups because this is something I've dealt with. Um, a lot more in the states than in Ireland. But do you guys have? Do you guys do, get donations? Do people do you do like outreach and you know? I guess they call it development. But. No, 
our funding is member funding and then maybe fundraising night. So let's say for some productions, we'll do specific fundraising um, events like um, the the table quizzes and okay. games nights and things like that. And then everything else just comes from membership, from people coming to the workshops and um, the shindigs and monologue nights and to the plays. It's just all, yeah, it's all member funded. That's terrific. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. It's been very nice chatting to you. Yeah, nice chatting to you too. Thanks so much to Elaine for talking to me about theatre and the importance of play and her work as an engineer in Ireland. It was great to hear about how process can help improve water management and lead to innovation adoption. And also hear how the values of the wonderfully named No Drama Theatre Company can attract members, keep them, and make the organization resilient to changes across an entire decade. That's it for this week's 9 to Thrive podcast. Be sure to visit working9tothrive.com, that's with the number 9, to access links, info, and to join the conversation. We're on Twitter, at 9 to Thrive, and Facebook, at Working 9 to Thrive. Thanks for listening. <laughs>